What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Tez. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. When your life is in the hands of 12 people, will they see where you're coming from? Or will they cart you off for the rest of your days? Our players this week are Tyrone Taylor Jr., our victim, and Keisha's husband, and Keisha Jones, our murderess. Keisha Precious Jones was born on February 24th, 1981, to her mother, Allison Jones. Her mom was about 15 when she gave birth to Keisha, so both of them really grew up together. And despite how young she was, Keisha's mom worked really hard to provide for herself and for her daughter. Keisha's mom would call her precious because she said that they were basically best friends. Keisha does have at least one sister that we know of, and her name is Sierra Allen, who Keisha helped raise because of how often her mom had to work. You know, the older daughters are usually the second moms in the household. Sierra and Keisha were always fun to be around, and they took really good care of each other. When Keisha was around 15 or 16 years old, she ended up getting pregnant by a guy named James Hayes. And her mom wasn't really upset about the fact. I mean, she was kind of low-key excited. Teen pregnancy is usually a cycle. Both Keisha and her mom were a little nervous about Keisha's future because, you know, she was about to be a soon-to-be mom, but Allison wanted Keisha to graduate and to eventually go to college. Keisha told her mom that she would eventually go back to school when the time was right, but for now, she wanted to focus on the new baby. But before any of that could happen, Keisha and James were then expecting their second child, which, like, who? Now, we did watch the Snapped documentary about this case, which, you know, sometimes you can take it or leave it with Snapped. But they definitely portrayed Keisha as this perfect mother who was always there for her children and would do absolutely anything for them. It doesn't say specifically, but it seemed like Keisha was primarily a stay-at-home mom who would occasionally work at the daycare when they were struggling financially. Because if you work at the daycare, you either get discount or free daycare. Even though they had their financial problems, Keisha was always willing to lend a helping hand. She would offer advice and even offer money to people during their time of need. Now, when Keisha was around 21, she became the life of the party. I mean, she wanted, yes, she's got two kids, but you're still 21 years old. You still want to have a life. So it didn't matter if she was getting up to get dressed or to go out or she was having a small get together with her cousins, like a kickback at the house. She was ready to have a good time and she loved to drink. After about six years and two kids together, Keisha and James decided, you know, This was real puppy love. We loved each other when we was kids. It's time to be grown and we don't love each other no more. And they both said that there was really no bad blood between them. But sometimes high school sweethearts don't work out. And that was just where they stood. Now, I couldn't find a lot of information about Tyrone. But Tyrone Taylor Jr. was born in 1984 in Palmyra, New Jersey. And his dad was Tyrone Taylor Sr. And I couldn't even find his mom's name. Like, very, very hard to dig up. They met in 2004 through a mutual friend. At the time, Keisha was 23 and Tyrone was 20. So she had a little bit of age on him, but not too much. 
They started dating and quickly became fond of each other. Now, according to Jane, they were basically together all the time. You saw Tyrone, you saw Keisha, you saw Keisha, you saw Tyrone. And James even admitted, like, he kind of had just a bit of jealousy. Not like he wanted to be in his spot, but like, damn, they worked out so much better than we did, you know. They were actually able to find happiness in each other, you know. But still, he's happy for Keisha. They on their co-parenting thing. Like, Tyrone, you got it. And Tyrone didn't mind that Keisha had two other kids by another man. All of them got along well. Tyrone, Keisha, James, they all looked out for each other. Now, Tyrone, there wasn't much that he wouldn't do for Keisha's kids. He loved them as if they were his own, you know, very Mr. Mom in the house. Like, I'll feed y'all, bathe y'all, do the laundry. I'm here to take care of y'all and provide for y'all because if I'm with your mama, that's what I got to do with her kids. So they continue to date. They become inseparable. They're so in love. They're taking trips. They're going out of town. They're sneaking off. And in 2008, they go to Las Vegas, and they get married. When they return to Philly, the whole family celebrated, and they just had this big-ass happy family, Keisha, Tyrone, and even James's mother was there celebrating with them. Like, even she loved Tyrone. Like, it just, it all worked out. Everybody loved everybody. I always thought about running away to Vegas and getting married. I feel like it's very much in my personality. Samesies. Oh, I know for you, because you don't like nobody know what you got going on. <laughs> Your ass could be married right the fuck now, and nobody would know. Nobody would know. I would be so pissed at you. Don't would fucking you? do that to me. You would be mad. I, I mean, if you're going to have a small... Let me be the witness. Okay. <laughs> you can leave your twin out and leave. put me in. <laughs> now, after they got married, Keisha ended up getting pregnant with her third child, but this was Tyrone's first. Shortly after, she got pregnant again, and they were growing this nice little family. And when I say this shit was really working out, like between her and Tyrone and this copacetic relationship that they had with James, James would even watch when he would pick up his kids. He was even willing to take the two children that Keisha and Tyrone had together and watch them also so that they could go out on dates and hang out. Like they were cool. Now over the course of their marriage, of course, they had their spats, their disagreements. No marriage is perfect. It's bound to happen, but nothing too serious coming around. Now, it's 2011. Tyrone and Keisha are a good eight years into their relationship, right? It's Thanksgiving weekend, and James is watching all the kids over at his house. So Tyrone and Keisha got the weekend to themselves. So... On November 26, 2011, Keisha and her cousin Tamara Stanford go out for drinks. Now, the night started off, them two, they're at a bar. Later on, they meet up with Tyrone at a different bar. Now, Keisha is driving her and Tyrone's 2002 Acura SUV. And once they get over to the bar with Tyrone, they continue to drink for a little bit. And eventually, they decide to call it quits and head home. Now, as they're walking out the bar, Keisha and Tyrone get into another one of their little spats, and it continued into the car as they're driving. Now, Tamara's in the car because they're dropping her off. So they're on the way to Tamara's house, and that's when things really started to escalate. Now, 
apparently the night before Keisha was at this same bar and was approached by a man who tried to get at her and this night this gets rehashed and Tyrone's wondering what's going on with this man why you bringing up old shit because you're being a little too fucking friendly. Now, Keisha is like, calm down, calm down. It's not even like that. It really wasn't like that for real. She only got the man's address and phone number because she wanted to give it to her friend who was in prison. Why else would I get a nigga address? Because my girl in prison wants to write him a letter. Now, Tyrone, he was known to be the jealous type. He really wasn't having it because you mind and you mind alone. And they continued to go back and forth and arguing. Now, both Tyrone and Keisha, they're getting upset to the point where they in a the car, they're going back and forth. They're arguing. Keisha cousin in the back seat watching this all go down. And Keisha's like, pull the car over, pull the car over. I'm sick of this shit. Just get out. Get out of my face. And so Tyrone, he's like, you ain't finna tell me twice. And Keisha, of course, you mad and you drunk. Definitely on one. They get into a neighborhood called Gray's Ferry in downtown PA on Morris Street. Tyrone pulls off to the side. He jumps out of the car. Tyrone tells Keisha he'll walk. He's like, fuck it. I don't want to look at your face. I'm going to walk home. And Keisha's like, no, no, come here. You tripping. Tyrone then walks out of the car. It's an Acura. Walks in front of the Acura. And Keisha, she drunk. She get out of the passenger seat and she runs over to the driver's seat. She runs to the driver's seat. As soon as she gets in, she says her heel gets stuck on the gas. She turns the steering wheel. She presses the gas. She tries to let up off of it. And then before she knew anything, she hits Tyrone and pins him against the wall. Keisha's cousin is in the back seat. She's like, girl, you don't hit Tyrone. You don't hit Tyrone. Keisha backs up the car. She runs out. She's like, oh, shit, I don't hit Tyrone. And you can tell, like, it was a hard hit. And she jumped out of that car fast as hell. Now, from where he got out of the car and from where he was hit, it was 32 feet away. So it was like a big acceleration. And when he was hit, he was actually riding on the hood. And she's like, oh, my God gosh oh my gosh Tyrone and she starts kneeling crying over his body and you can tell immediately that he is dead on impact now Keisha is holding Tyrone in her arms until first responders arrive on scene it was actually neighbors who heard Keisha screaming and they called 911 the police and the EMTs arrive approximately around 1 50 a.m and within minutes of the call it's evident that Tyrone is already dead when they get there, Keisha is still holding Tyrone, almost in a state of shock, like she can't fully process what's going on. She's screaming, Tyrone, Tyrone, wake up, Tyrone, get up, I need you, I need you, take me home. The cops, you know, they wrangle Keisha away from Tyrone's body, and they notice she's got a few minor injuries as well. This because this whole time she's kneeling on broken glass next to Tyrone's body, waiting with him. So they take her to the hospital before police try and question her. But Tyrone was pronounced dead on the scene at 2.02 a.m. Now, just by looking at the car, you can tell she had a bit of speed on her at the time of the impact. The car had significant damage. There was a wall that she crashed against. There's a big hole from the impact. The only person who police had left to question at the scene was Tamara. And she says that she and Keisha had gone out that night 
And they started off at a separate bar and met up with Tyrone later. And when they were all on the ride home, the two of them get into an argument. Tamara says they turned on the Morris Street. Tyrone pulls the car over, gets out, slams the door. Now, Tyrone's parents just lived up the street. So I guess he was like, fuck it. I'm walking to my mama's house. I know that's right. <laughs> Listen, don't give me an option because I will dip. Make it plausible. Niggas, if niggas ain't going to do nothing else, they going to go to their mama's house. Mm-hmm. Now... Tamara continues to tell the story. She says, Tyrone, you know, he gets out the car. And as he crosses across the front of the car, Keisha jumps into the driver's seat. And all of a sudden, the car starts to take off. And Tamara's looking down at her phone. And all of a sudden, she feels the impact. She feels Tyrone get hit. And she can't tell if it's an accident or if it's on purpose. She says the car just stopped and she just kept shaking Keisha, yelling at her, what did you do? What did you do? And all Keisha could say was it was an accident. Make hosting this holiday a joy rather than a hassle with the help of HelloFresh Market. From crowd-pleasing charcuterie boards to photo-worthy desserts, it's easy to add these party pleasers to your holiday order, saving so much time. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every single week, so it's easier to find something that everyone will enjoy. I personally use HelloFresh a lot, and it just takes the hassle out of my week. I am constantly running around. There's always something on my plate, and so sometimes I don't have time to go to the grocery store. And when I do have groceries, sometimes I don't know what I want to cook. But with HelloFresh, I don't have that problem anymore. I have all the ingredients right there. I have all the instructions right there, so it's really brainless cooking, and I really enjoy it. It makes my life so much easier. So make sure that you check out HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash SWKfree and use code SWKfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. It's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash SWKfree. Thanks again to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. When she was taken to the hospital for her very minor injuries from kneeling on the glass, they also took Keisha's blood alcohol level. Her BAC came back as 0.110. So baby was drunk, drunk. It took damn near all morning for Keisha to get treated for the cut on her knees. And as soon as she was released, they were like, great, let's go put you in the patrol car because it's time to take you in for questioning. It's 10 a.m. the next morning at the police station, and Keisha had to be calmed down before she gave her interview. One of the detectives said it didn't seem like it really registered to her that Tyrone was dead, and it just seemed like she was hoping for a miracle. And every time they were like, no, he's gone, she would just break down all over again. Like, what do you mean he's gone? Like, I just, I can't believe that this happened. How is this possible? Police did give her time to compose herself again, and then they started asking questions. She was very cooperative with her story, and her story matched her cousin Tamara's story for the most part. She said that Tyrone was mad at her because they were talking about what happened at the bar the night before. There was one little detail that was different between the two stories, and 
that detail was that Keisha said that Tyrone didn't pull the car over because like he wanted to because she was like pull the car car over he did it was something that she said to him she was just like just get out just 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 get out and when Tyrone pulled over the car that's what made him get out it wasn't just like random I'm pissed off at you and she was saying like when he pulled over and he got out the car I was shocked like hold on what you mean why you leaving that's so me I'm like, get the fuck out. Wait, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> that is so me. She was surprised. Like, what you mean? Where are you actually going? And that got her even more upset. He was like, no, no, you say leave. I'm leaving. So she said as soon as he got out of the car, she got out of the car, too, and she went over to the driver's seat. She put the car in gear in an effort to chase him so he would eventually get back in the car. Like, you I'm speaking to my cuckoo girls, okay, that have hopped out of cars. No, drive up beside me. Tell me to get my ass back in the car. Y'all know who I'm talking to. Y'all know who I'm talking to. And so she planned on doing the same thing, probably driving beside him. No, what are you doing? Get your ass back in the car. You're not going to walk late at night. I don't care if you walk into your mama's house. I'm not going to leave you out here. But instead, when she shift gears, she thought she was pressing the brake, but she ended up pressing the gas. And she was alluding to the fact that the gear shift got stuck, but she didn't explicitly say that. But she did say, you know, I'm wearing super high heels and the heels caused her to get confused on which one was the gas and which one was the brake. And so instead of pressing they were the brake, she pressed. They were high heels. And let me tell you something. As a girly that wears heels, I take my heels off when I drive. Absolutely. I be with my left heel on and my right barefoot. She's like, my heels were so high. And then my my feet gets, my foot got stuck. And so when I thought I was pressing the brake, I was pressing the gas. And next thing I know, I'm accelerating. She said by the time she looked up, like she was looking down when all of this happened. By the time she looked up from accelerating, she didn't see Tyrone anymore. And everything happened so fast, she didn't even realize that she hit Tyrone until Tamara started screaming and yelling, asking her and shaking her and saying, what did you do? What did you do? And I'm sure like you drunk and then a whiplash like that, like it's going to take you a minute to recalibrate yourself. Yeah. Police go back to the crime scene and they do some further investigation. And this is when they find out, oh, look, there's two surveillance cameras right here from the deli across the street. Oh, look, the deli security cameras caught the entire thing on camera. Now, uh, you can find the security video. I'm I'll try to figure out a way to post it. If not, it's on YouTube and it's pretty graphic and it's a little grainy when you're looking at it, but you can see what's happening. And so when the police are looking at this video, they're like, "Mm, I don't know if you're technically trying to regain control of the car. It seems like it's pretty deliberate to me. Like it's a fast acceleration. It's a quick hit. And you had to turn to get him to be hit. They also said that it was basically impossible for her not to see Tyrone because he was on the hood of the car for a good 30 feet until the car got rammed into the side of the building. And so for the detectives, they're like, this tape looks very deliberate and it doesn't look like it's this big accident and a heel got caught like Keisha's claiming. Now, when the family finds out about this, they cannot believe it, especially her mom. She's like, I know that girl, and I know she loved that man. There's no way 
that she would kill Tyrone. There's no way that she would kill anybody. That's not her, in her personality. That's not her nature. That's not who she is. And James, her first baby daddy, was like, I just can't see that. Like, I know that she loved Tyrone. I know that she loved this man. I know that she wouldn't intentionally kill this man. Like, it's not who she is. Later that evening, Keisha was arrested. It's November 27th of 2011. And she ends up getting charged with first-degree murder, involuntary manslaughter, homicide by vehicle, possessing an instrument of crime with intent, third-degree murder, and accident involving death or personal injury. Now, Keisha sat in jail all the way up until her trial. And I'm not sure if this was because she wasn't given a bond or just couldn't afford bail. She she did not have a chance to get out and soak up time with her family before this case was decided on. At her preliminary hearing in January of 2012, Tyrone's family, they're big mad. I mean, and of course, with good reason, they just they lost Tyrone. And, you know, Keisha's family is out there looking for sympathy, and Tyrone's family is not. Keisha's family feels like it's an accident. Tyrone's family is like, fuck her. You took him for nothing. Fuck her. They were yelling and cursing throughout the entire hearing. The hearing took about 50 minutes overall, and throughout the entire time, Keisha's just staring down at the floor. At this hearing... Her team kind of offered her a plea deal. The defense would argue voluntary manslaughter and the prosecution would argue third-degree murder. They found her guilty of third-degree murder. She could go away for 15 to 30 years. And, you know, her defense is like, really consider this deal. Because at the end of the day, they got this surveillance footage on you. And so she had a lot to weigh out, right? If she accepts the third-degree murder charge, they'll drop the first-degree murder charge and the possessing an instrument of a crime. She would have to do 15 to 30 years. Now, if she denies the plea deal, she could possibly get acquitted or she can face all the charges. Keisha thought about it some, but she said 15 to 30 years was way too long to be away from her kids. And she decided... To turn down the deal. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. Her trial started on October 23rd, 2012. Her trial lasted four days, and the jury consisted of six men and six women. The prosecution called her cousin, Tamara, to the stand. And Tamara, she was visibly still shaken up by witnessing this entire tragedy. And she told the DA that she would do whatever was needed to make things right, which may include testifying against her cousin. She repeated her original statement to the police for the most part, but she added a little something extra while she was on the stand. She said that Tyrone had accused Keisha of cheating on him. And the prosecution used this to imply that Keisha got mad at the accusation and because she had been drinking... Earlier that night, she made the rash decision to end Tyrone's life. The prosecution also called Detective Joseph Bimbersky. This is the detective that took Keisha's original statement. And he reiterated the story that Keisha told him. And she told him that, you know, her and her husband were driving home after visiting a bar in South Philly. They got into an argument about a man that Keisha met the night before. And Keisha told the detective that, you know, he was the jealous type. He had a hard time just letting it go, but she was trying to have a good night and he was just getting upset. 
Her lawyers, Richard DeShippo and Charles Percho Jr., claimed her defense was that it was a terrible accident after her and her husband got into an argument. They expressed that she had full remorse and that she had no intention to purposely kill her husband. She tried to move her car away from Tyrone because she had been drinking and her motor skills were a little off. Not to mention she was wearing extremely high heels that got caught while she was shifting gears. They also argued that, you know, her charges shouldn't be first degree murder. Her charges should be manslaughter, not murder, because there was no evidence of premeditation. They said that she just wanted to chase him. She wanted to just make him get back in the car. But the prosecution also said, you know, apparently this isn't her first time chasing him in a car and trying to get him to do what she wanted him to do with the car. Actually, this is her third time chasing him with a car. But the defense was like, listen, Keisha is only guilty of killing someone while driving drunk. She wasn't a murderer. She didn't kill her husband in a malice act. She didn't even flee the scene after the incident. It was manslaughter at best. They also had an expert testimony about how her alcohol level was more than enough to impair her driving. 0.110? Yeah, that's a lot of liquor. Now, Keisha did take the stand in her own defense. When she got up there, she reached into her pocket and she pulled out a picture of Tyrone and held it close. She said that she she got up there and she testified that she and Tyrone spent the morning together and went out in South Philadelphia that night. She starts to recall the night and she says that she had about three to four mixed drinks and four shots. She admits that she and Tyrone were drunk as they drove towards Tamara's house and that they did get into a little spat and eventually, Tyrone got out the car and began walking to his mama's house. She says, I'm like, no, come here, you tripping. And then she hops in the driver's seat. This is when she tells the jury that she tried to turn her car onto the nearby Ringgold Street as Tyrone is crossing. But her foot hit the gas pedal and the gear shift got stuck. She explains to him about her shoes and says, I did everything in my power to try and stop the car. I didn't even know Tyrone was hit. It happened so fast. My whole life crashed in front of me. My husband was dying in my arms. She goes on to say it was an accident. I didn't do it on purpose. And at this time, she's wiping tears away from her face. Like, it's got to be a heavy load to bear that you killed your husband. You know what I mean? When it wasn't intentional, like, it's one thing to be like, I want my husband dead. But, like, to just be like we was just having a regular ordinary fight that I know we were going to get past and I accidentally killed him. She's probably got enough on her heart at this moment. And having to relive it in court and all this is it's probably a lot. But prosecution wasn't having it. They were like, listen, girl, you're giving contradicting statements from what you told the police that night. You signed a statement while you were doing your police interview just hours after the incident happened. You said that you chased after him as he ran through the lot. You didn't say anything about no gear shift getting stuck. Now, Keisha responds, I told at least one officer that the gear shift got stuck, 
but maybe that just didn't make it onto the signed statement in the formal interview. I'm distraught. I was signing anything in that interview room. And I guess, you know, they started to question, you know, you don't think it was important to read over it? And she says the statement was important, but me losing my husband was more important. I guess he put in what he wanted to put in. You know, I just signed it, but like, I lost my husband. Not even a full day before signing this statement. I had, and you I had know, other I was just distressed. Like, y'all had to calm her down mm-hmm. before she even signed the statement. Like, you know, that she was in distress. Now, at the trial, they did play the video surveillance. I think actually one of the jurors even asked for it to be played. And they played it in the court repeatedly so that the jury could really get a visualization, see what was happening, interpret the situation. Keisha cried all through the playings of the video. The ADA, Deborah Nixon, said that Keisha used the car as a, quote, deadly weapon. That, quote, the manipulation of the vehicle shows her intent. She goes on to tell the jury that Keisha intentionally hit her husband with that car. They said, if you look at the video, Tyrone's not hit dead center in the middle of the car. Tyrone has almost cleared the car and is headed towards the parking lot when he's hit. She made a hard right turn. And it it was pretty fucking hard. Like, it was not Not a turn that you would take to turn down the next street. It was like, ooh, I'm about to miss this turn. Like one of them. Yeah, it's a sharp turn for sure. You know, they're just saying this was you, as you say, chasing him down. This trial only lasts like four days. It wasn't some long investigation or a bunch of stuff to figure out. It's pretty cut and dry. We know she did it. She knows she did it. All we're really arguing here was, was it on purpose or was it an accident? In the closing statements by the prosecution, they say that, of course, Keisha doesn't fit the, quote, stereotype of a murderer. But she did act with intent to kill Tyrone. She changed her story on the stand to avoid responsibility for the crime. And she needs to be dealt with. Put her down for first-degree murder. Let's lock her away. Keisha's defense attorney, Richard DeCipio, says, quote, Keisha is guilty of killing someone while driving drunk. But she wasn't a murderer and she hadn't acted with malice. He goes on to point out that Keisha did not flee the scene after it happened. She was found holding her husband's body in her arm. She was distraught. She was upset. She was remorseful immediately. There's no intent here. Now, with these closing arguments, the jury went on to deliberate. On October 28th of 2012, they found Keisha Jones guilty of first-degree murder and possessing an instrument of the crime, her car. The defense attorney, Mr. DeCipio, said that uh, one of the jurors told him that one of the deciding factors in her conviction was the surveillance video that was entered into evidence earlier that week. He said they couldn't get past it. The fact that the actor appears to turn right towards Taylor, who was walking into the vacant lot and not into the adjacent street, and that was her nail in the coffin. The judge agreed with the ADA that Keisha didn't actually hit Tyrone with the front of the car, you know? He was like, you're right. She made a hard-ass right turn to chase him into that lot. 
And then with that hard turn, he was pinned up against the wall and killed on impact. The car was used as a deadly weapon. And the manipulation of the vehicle is the intent. The same day that she was found guilty, she was sentenced, which is weird. She was sentenced the same day. And as they were sentencing her to life in prison, she just broke down screaming, my kids, my kids. And she just she didn't know what to do. She couldn't believe that the jury did not believe her and that she would never see her children in the free world again. Shortly after her sentencing on November 14th, 2012, Keisha filed a post-sentence motion and her post-sentence motion was denied five days later. Now, her children are between the ages of five and 14 at the time, and they were living with family. Tyrone's dad got custody of the children that she shared with Tyrone and James got custody of the children that she had with him. Tyrone Taylor Sr. said, I feel like justice was done, but I'm not happy about the outcome at all. Now, in 2014, August of 2014, Keisha filed an appeal to her sentence, and she argued that the trial court abused its discretion and deprived Keisha of her due process and her right to a fair trial because they refused to let a relevant part of her testimony be read aloud in court. It appears that Keisha's full testimony and the testimony the detective gave about her statement contradicted itself from Keisha's defense's team's point of view. The police statement illustrated criminal intent, while her actual testimony illustrated a different form of intent. Her appeal was granted and her sentence was vacated and she was granted a new sentencing trial. So she's going in for her new sentencing, and her sentencing trial was set for February 2016. After a few continuances, on June 6, 2016, she decided to plead guilty to third-degree murder and possessing an instrument of a crime, which, of course, is her car. The rest of her charges were null processed, and a mental evaluation was ordered. Judge Bartha McDermott gave her a new sentence. She was sentenced now to 15 to 30 years, and she got credit for her time served. Right now, she is located in the Bucks County Department of Corrections in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And this is the story of Keisha Jones. Did you know that over 60% of Americans believe that the most useful language in the United States is Spanish? Want to take some time this fall to brush up on what you didn't learn in high school? No problemo, because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. Tazzy is brushing up on her Spanish, and I am relearning my en français. And I'm really excited about how Babbel has made everything very easy. The repetition is perfect. There is even a podcast to listen to so that I can continue to learn, even when I'm not just playing in the app. With over 10 million subscriptions sold, Babbel is real language learning for real conversations. So here is a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our our listeners at babble.com slash SWK. Get 55% off at babble.com slash SWK. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SWK. 
Rules and restrictions may apply. Whew. All right, y'all. It's time for... I ain't do it, but if I did, this is how I would have got away with it. I ain't do it, but if I did, I wouldn't have been driving drunk. Especially not that drunk. Especially not drunk and mad. Right. I think I would have just started chasing him on foot. Yeah. Never a good combination. Never a good combination. And it sounded like Keisha a bitch like me. Like, I ain't taking off my heels in public for nothing. For nothing. You better chase that man down the street. I ain't do it, but if I did, that police statement, you you guys, if you didn't get a lawyer ahead of time, fine. Because she really felt like she was innocent and was an accident. So I can understand her not wanting to get a lawyer, even though she should have got a lawyer. But baby, if you ain't got no lawyer, that means you need to double read everything. You need to take a deep breath. You need to read everything that was written down so that you don't regret what you sign. I ain't do it, but if I did... I would have been like, tomorrow, we're going to call my girl in prison and I'm going to prove to you that I gave this number and this address to her. I'm going to prove to you <laughs> that this is for my girl that's already in prison. It's not for me. Except for what if she ain't passed the number on yet? Hey, girl, I got this man number for you. I... You set it up real quick fast, won't you? If she a real friend, she'll know what's up. <laughs> I ain't do it, but if I did, I probably would have took the plea the first time. Ooh, because a lot of appeals don't get granted, you know? So I probably would have took the deal the first time because facing life for that is too heavy at all. While you're sitting there worried about your kid and they got you on surveillance video, like it, the video does not look great for you. And you know it's going into evidence. You know it can be used against you. So, I probably I probably would have considered that deal a little harder. I would have too, but I think I also feel like her defense didn't bring enough people to the stand to talk about their relationship. Because mm. if everybody's saying, there's no way, this is not who she is, there's no history of violence whatsoever, then I would bring that to the stand. But also, like, there kind of was a little history of violence. Like, you don't followed this man in your car before. But is that violence? Or is it toxic? Two things can be true at the same time. And what's violent about it? If she just like, like I've seen, I've seen a nigga chase a girl down in her car and not for the purpose of trying to hurt her, but like, don't walk away from me. Get in here. Why are you leaving? You know what I mean? And I really think that's what, I really think that's what she intended trying on trying to doing. do. And sometimes you got to leave them motherfuckers. You want to get out? Get out. then. Walk. I'll see you later. Especially if you really believe that this is just one of them other arguments we drunk. Fuck it. Walk your ass to your mama house. I'll see you in the morning. Sleep it off. Go ahead to your mama house. Call me all types of bitches and hoes and I will see you in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like, all her kids, 15 to 30 years, and she hits that 30, her kids are going to be grown. And her youngest was mm-hmm. five. Her youngest was five. Her oldest was 14. Right. And so, like, that youngest five just lost both of his parents. Mm-hmm. The youngest, too. Like, oh, come on. Got to make better decisions. Yeah. Um, Parole or no parole? I want her to get parole. I truly don't think she meant to kill her husband. 
I've looked at this video. I'm with you. And I know that people are probably going to have different opinions. So I want everybody to form their opinion and let's discuss it. But looking at that video, I don't think that it was intentional. Like, I really actually believe that it was an accident. Especially it was a sharp turn. involved. It, drunk as hell, high ass heels. You y'all gotta take your heels off when you're driving. Like that's a that's a safety hazard probably, in itself. Even if you're sober, right? Even when I and even if I'm sober and heels driving, I still have to pull the car way. I have to readjust the seat more than I would normally. I hate when I get back in the car and I've been wearing heels. Like then I have to readjust the seat again. I just feel like there was a lot going on, and you were angry. Mm-hmm. And they said she I think was she, actually really short and, like, you know, had to sit with the seat up and, like, barely could see over the steering wheel. Like, his ass probably had the seat back. Like, I think it was a sharp turn, but I honestly think she was trying to turn onto that street and sharp and anger mm-hmm. made her spin that wheel really fast. Like, I, That's a good I think point if I was on the, the street, seat was back. Right. Because like, you know, she didn't it didn't take that long. Right. And she probably didn't find her like real adjustment. She probably just moved that she got over into the seat, switched the gears, just shifted gears, just shifted gears. And so like I have a friend who can't get out my driveway and she drives this big ass like Escalade and the seat is stuck back. It was her granddaddy's truck. So the seat is stuck back. So every time I have to turn her car around, I have to sit on the edge and, like, have to balance my back. I really, I really hate it. And so if she's, like, not even adjusted in her seat well, she's short, she's got heels, she's, like, it's a lot working against her right now. Yeah, and I I really do... I don't know. Like, I can be arguing with you and be mad at you and still not want you dead. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that everybody's going to form their opinion about this case. But when I look at all the things, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if I was on that jury, it would have been hung. Like, it's definitely a sight to see the the surveillance video. But it's all freak accidents are sights to see. Mm-hmm. All accidents and when somebody dies are a sight to see. And I don't really think that her defense, I think that her defense believed her and thought, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. But they didn't defend her the way that they should have in court. Yeah. I would have recreated that entire scene. And it's a whole bunch of men, you know, yeah, trying to tell. on the jury. Yeah. It's a whole bunch of men trying to tell you, oh, you don't know how to walk in your heels. You don't know nothing what, what it is about how you have to adjust yourself when you're in heels in a car. It's difficult. I don't know. I personally, I don't know. I think that you, I think it was an accident. And I know, y'all know I be trying to put people in jail. So if I say it's an accident, you know, I might be on to (laughs) something. I think they should have gave her a lesser charge, just vehicular homicide, honestly. Yeah, I think it should have been vehicular homicide, maybe a DUI. Definitely a DUI. Yeah. Definitely a DUI, a vehicular homicide. Call it a day with that. I agree. Um, that's all. That's the end of the show. I'm not gonna parole it, no parole it. Oh, I thought we just had the discussion. I said parole or no parole. Oh, oh, oh. And then we just started saying that she was that we thought she wasn't guilty. But yeah, I would I would parole her. Yeah, I'd parole her. 
for sure. Um, I think maybe, honestly, I think if she had to go to jail, because it wasn't self-defense, right? Like, there was... I think that was her problem is that she went to trial for murder and she should have just gone, she should have negotiated down to go to trial for vehicular homicide or to be able to plead for vehicular homicide and got that eight to 12 years out early for good behavior. You could still be an active part of your kid's life. Your kids will still need you. I by think the 15 time that, years would be good. No, I think maybe like 10 to 12. But I mean, like if 15 years is that minimum, Give her the 15. Like, I don't think she needs to do 30 years. Vehicular In PA, vehicular homicide that's DUI-related generally carries a 3 to 10-year prison mm. sentence. Yep, see, that would have did it. That would have, personally, I feel like that's probably what, I really don't, I really think it was an accident. Call me, call me cuckoo. I can't wait to hear what y'all say, but... It's, it's giving, we were arguing, we were mad, we were drunk as fuck, and we were behind the wheel of a vehicle, and vehicles are dangerous. My little cousin is driving now, and I'm like, you gotta not just drive for you, you gotta drive for everybody else. Girl, my little cousin is driving now. Now, he done fucked up the first car, said it wasn't his fault. Well, legally, it was his fault, but it wasn't his fault. So, while we was out there, he had, you know, got he bought himself a new car, I just watched him back out the driveway, and he it was a long driveway. And he hit the left side, then the right side, then the left side, <laughs> in the grass, then the right side. We was like, boy, straighten up. His mama was like, stop talking to him. Stop. He needs to focus. Just stop talking to him. How old is he? 18. Oh, my little cousin is 16, 17. He's 17. And but he just like, learned how to drive. I know that's scary. My little cousin was like, Rod, let me drive your car. And I said, okay, you can drive home. And I was like, oh, you're real close to this edge. And he and I used to driving on this side of town. You know, when you get to Lothonia, it's very windy roads. It's a lot of windy roads. And he was like, winding. I was like, oh, gosh. I said, just stay on the road. Just stay on the road. (laughs) You know, my car, I have that thing you can... You can press and you can turn it on and off. But if you get too close to the lines, it starts making noise. I said, just put that on so I can know that you know where the lines are. <laughs> just trying to live. Just trying to live. And he want me to buy a car. And I was like, that is why the budget for your car is low. We are getting a used car. I'm yeah, talking 150,000 like miles. All first cars should be used cars. Absolutely. So if somebody got a cheap 150,000 mile car, you let me know. I'm looking for one. And I mean, I need a lot of miles on that thing. I need something cheap so he can get from point A to point B. Because you don't need no new car. All right, that's the end of the show. Um, You want to read some reviews? Oh, we do do that, don't we? Yeah, unfortunately. Tell me, what's the last thing you do after cleaning up your house? You light a candle. But did you know that many candles we get from big chains are filled with toxins and dyes? Yeah, so don't let toxins free in your home. Instead, give Drip Candle Goods a try. Drip Candle Goods is a small woman black-owned business that's making waves with their unique eco-friendly candles and incredible gifts. Now answer this. What's the first thing you do when you're trying to spice up the bedroom? That's right. 
you light a candle. And now you can use your candles as massage oils as well with Drip Candle Goods massage candles. They're made with skin-friendly waxes and essential oils with scents like Manuka Honey and Dark Peach. Drip Candle Goods is a small woman black-owned business that is ensuring that your candles are eco-friendly, plus they have amazing gifts as well. When you're lounging in the house, listening to your favorite podcast, why not listen while you're wearing one pair of extremely comfortable socks? Or send a candle with a Beyonce Christmas card to your favorite person this holiday season. You can do all of that with Drip Candle Goods. So make sure that you visit dripcandlegoods.com and kickstart your holiday season with 15% off using code HOLIDAY15. Join me in creating the best holiday vibes with Drip Candle Goods, where every purchase is a celebration of diversity and eco-conscious living. Happy shopping! Unfortunately, there were so many of my screenshots, and I said, oh, I'm going to come back and read these. I know. Let's see if I can find one. Go ahead. Let's read some reviews. You can leave us a review anywhere. Um, If you have something nice to say, please say it openly. If you have something mean to say, please keep it to yourself. (laughs) My emotions can't handle anymore. Um, (laughs) All right, Tazzy, take it away. This one says, the best. I love, love, love this podcast. Y'all really keep me entertained while I'm at work. I found myself laughing the other day because while I was listening to one of the episodes, the music, Take That Ish to Trial, began playing, and I started dancing. I'm new to the podcast. I have so many episodes to catch up on. Keep going. Keep storytelling. Keep us laughing. Chels. Thanks, Chels. This one says, wow. My friend just put me onto this podcast last week, and I'm super hooked. I love that it's black stories told by black women. I appreciate the flow of the stories told. Y'all give great detail without it feeling long and dragged on. Not to mention just the right amount of hilarious banter. I love the I didn't do it, but if I did segment. I am a true crime addict, and I think about this after every story I hear. Keep up the great work, ladies. Thanks. Um, if you want to, if you want to keep up with us, you can go ahead and follow us wherever you are listening so that you can get automatic updates when we have new episodes dropping and they'll automatically be downloaded onto your device so that you can listen to us anywhere. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, sisters who kill on TikTok, sisters who kill podcast on Instagram, sisters who kill pod. You can follow us on Facebook and you can join the private Facebook discussion group, (sighs) I guess. Um, you do have to answer the questions to get in, but you know, more than likely we'll let you in. Um, anything else, friend? Talk to sweet talk back. Bye.